Willow. This is Ruin Willow with the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm super excited you're here. I have an amazing person for you to meet in this podcast episode. On my podcast, I love to talk about things from relationships and romance to erotica, kinks, and fetishes. We are definitely falling into the kinks and fetishes in this episode. And if you are under 18, it is time to leave the podcast now. Quick little updates. Anderson, the pool service man turned bull, the third book in Servicing the Workmen, My Filthy Hot Wife Adventures, is going live today, February 2nd, 2024. Audiobook soon to follow. It's also on the podcast and the exclusive level for the audiobook. We're halfway through the book. And the audiobook will be released in February. And also The Sugar Daddies is coming live on next Friday. I'm also narrating that with another sexy male voice. So that'll be coming out in ebook next week and an audiobook after that. And guess what? I am so excited to have been nominated for the Golden Pigtails Awards. Golden's Pigtails are for erotica and erotic content, things that are written and audiobooks. So the voting is open. Please vote for me. I've got books nominated. The I Just Want to Watch Award for Cuckold and Hot Wife Erotica for my book, Servicing the Trash Man, My Filthy Hot Wife Adventures. And then also in the Scissoring with Runners Award category for Lesbian Erotica for my book, Dressing Room Dom. And the It's Always Better Together Award for the Best Erotic Anthology for the anthology that I have a story in called, well, the whole anthology is called Hearts and Flowers, Whips and Chains. And I have a story in that. So that's also for the anthology. So down in the podcast show notes will be the link to that. Please go vote for me. You have to vote between now by the 14th and then the people who have the highest five, I think, go on to the finals, which is the end of February voting. So Please, 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 please vote for me. I'm so excited to be nominated. It's such an honor, and I'm so excited. It's just really fun, and I really hope that I can make it to the next round. So thank you for those who nominated me and for anybody who votes for me. I really, really appreciate it. You're fucking awesome. I love you. Okay, I am going to introduce quickly who is on the podcast today. It was an amazing chat. I had so much fun. Seriously, I did. Princess Latex Rubber Doll. On Twitter X, I guess we have to say X, Princess Latex RD. Latex Lizzie Lancaster, alt, trans model, rubber doll, heavy rubber, and latex. Lots of shiny fun. Also on OnlyFans. This person is from the UK. And, of course, you probably saw some of the images being a fetish model, a latex fetish model. That's, that is really amazing, right? I think it's just fascinating. And we had such a great chat. It was really eye-opening. And I really love to hear the perspectives that are totally different than mine. It's just, it really is quite intriguing. I care about everybody having better sex. I really, really do. This is a passionate thing of mine. You know, solo sex and with a partner of partners. I really, really care about you all having good sex. I don't know. It's just something passionate in me. And I have something to share with you. My sponsor, 
who sponsored this episode called Joy Mode is a sexual performance booster. And I got to try this, right? It blew my fucking mind. Okay, use it at your peak time of day also. I have used it late in the evenings. Amazing. I mean, just amazing orgasms. But I, then I tried it at my peak time. For some reason, I always peak in the afternoon. I don't really know why, but I do. So I tried it in the afternoon. Holy fucking shit. It blew my mind. Okay, what is this? Do you want to know what this is? This is really interesting. Quickly, it is a natural supplement, all natural and science-backed supplement to give your disco stick, whether that be a clit or a cock, because both are erectile tissue, right? So this works for people with clits and with dicks, okay? Cocks, dicks, yes, disco stick. I'm going to call, even though the clitoris has lots of different bulbs and all these amazing things, I'm going to say disco stick. Give it all the tools it needs and nothing it doesn't. So you take this powder. It's in a little packet. And you mix it with like six to eight ounces of water. And you do it like 45 minutes before you're going to play or have sex with someone. And before you're going to do sexual activity. (laughs) And watch the magic happen. I mean, literally. Two hours is the peak. And I agree with that. It has a peak at two hours. But you can try this for 20% off and free shipping with my code RUIN20 at usejoymode.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN20, R-U-A-N-2-0 at usejoymode.com. They have a, it's, you know, it's just great. You don't have to use a pill. You can try a natural supplement And this will make you have better orgasms. I mean, it did for me. Speaking from myself, as a woman, it made me have very strong clitoral orgasms. It really did. It was amazing. I'm not kidding. (laughs) It's totally amazing. And what's super cool about this is like a pre-workout, but for sex. Increase your experience, your performance in the bedroom. Why not perform even better? But you know what? Why not have a better experience? I did. I recommend this. I hope you try it out. Great for Valentine's Day right now. It's perfect. You and your lover can take this packet and see what the fucking awesome magic that happens between the two of you. Blow up your Valentine's Day. Try Joy Mode Sexual Performance Booster. Ruin 20 for 20% off and free shipping at usejoymode.com. Link down in the podcast show notes. All right, let's do it. So, I want to welcome Princess Latex Rubber Doll. Having her on the podcast has just was so much fun. I cannot wait for you all to listen to this. It was just amazing. So, are you ready? Let's fucking go. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to talk to this person. I have so many questions and just very, very interesting person. This person is... Princess Latex Rubber Doll, and I am going to just introduce, and we're going to get into some awesome discussion about sex and sexuality and whatever we want to talk about. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you. I, you know, 
It's fascinating. I think I ended up finding you on Twitter, which yes. I have a hard time calling it X because to me, it's still fucking Twitter, right? It's definitely still Twitter. I don't care what you want to say. It's Twitter. It always will be Twitter. <laughs> no, like there's some things you just can't name, jackass. So anyway, <laughs> I found you there because I had interviewed dude who does shibari rope yes. tying and and yeah. I had taken that and decided to put it on my pod nation I'm a part of the pod nation channel tv channel and I decided to take his episode and plop that up there and I was looking on his timeline and I saw you and I'm like whoa what is this I must know more <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I stood out I'm glad I got your attention I guess that's kind of that's kind of my job <laughs> So tell me, how how did you get into this? Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, that's kind of like a bit of a multifaceted question. So I hope <laughs> time, grab a drink, pull up a seat. <laughs> so I guess um, with regards to like how I got into always had a latex fetish. As far as my sort of my, my core kinks are concerned, latex has been the driving factor for me from like sort of a an early coming of age kind of what, you know, when we develop our kinks at an early stage and that's been kind of the core for me. And that's kind of driven my, I guess, I don't want to say descent because it sounds wrong, ascent into the sort of the BDSM aspect of Mm -hmm. other kink, things like shibari, bondage, breath play, basically everything that I'm into comes from that sort of latex fetish as a kink. So yeah, I mean, I started wearing latex, you know, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, when I finally started working and got some money and I could afford it because that stuff is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah, and then I was kind of developed into the BDSM stuff from that, just, you know, going to kink clubs, meeting other people, experimenting because, you know, I'd be looking for sort of latex online and seeing different models and seeing what they were doing and getting inspiration from that and thinking just, you know what, I want to give this a go because this looks super, super fun. In my kind of iteration as Princess Latex Rubber Doll, that's been something that's happened recently for me. I, for those who don't know, I'm a transgender woman, I transitioned five years ago and I kind of got to a point in my life where I was like, you know what, to hell with this. I'm just going to be yeah. 100% authentic. I'm going to be true to me. I'm not going to hide anything from anybody anymore. Everything is just on the table right now. And, and so I just want to explore my kinks and fetishes as part of me open about those and so I just started sharing photographs of myself in Instagram with my latex outfits and it's just snowballed from there it's just gotten it's just gotten um, sort of more exposure more invites to things I started doing modeling sort of uh, pretty much full-time now as my work and sort of doing uh, adult content and doing full-time dominatrix work and things like that as well so yeah it's been a crazy ride for the last couple of years but I'm enjoying every minute of it (laughs) That is awesome. And I applaud you for being who you who you are, who you truly are. So many people in this world are afraid to do that, aren't they? I mean, they just are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think I learned a lot. I think I learned a lot from speaking. I mean, I, therapy. I don't know a trans person who hasn't been to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things that you go through as a sort of a, a moment of self-acceptance. You have to you have to come to terms with who you are how you're going to deal with that and how you're going to fit in with the world. And it deals with a lot of how we deal with internalized shame. But, you know, society tries to shame you as a trans person. It's not something, you're not considered normal. And there are so many parallels with that with regards to kink and fetish. 
just been it's been eye opening because I've been able to develop this kind of sense of I'm not ashamed of who I am for being trans, and I'm also not ashamed of who I am for being kinky as hell as well. So right, yeah, it's been amazing. It's just yeah, it's it's just so liberating. Yeah, that's awesome. And I feel like you know, literally, I feel like almost everybody in the world, at least in our culture, like you know, UK and the United States, we're mm. shamed for our sexuality, something we were born yeah. with, born yeah. to do and use and enjoy and it's full of fucking shame and it's totally caging everyone on some level yeah absolutely it's shocking when you actually start to look at sort of how repressive society can be towards sexuality and it's like i mean it's very patriarchal it's very 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 patriarchal and it's like if not if you are not sort of cishet and sort of vanilla non-kink i guess i guess you could go into the fact a lot of it comes from sort of westernized society which is religiously based and and i think a lot of it comes from that it's 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 trying to sort of instill this patriarchal view and way of life in you and anything that deviates from the norm from that kind of message is just viewed as deviant and and it's and the, the stupid thing is inherent human nature to be who we are and have the desires yes. that we do and so it's so repressive and it's just so dangerous and toxic to hide those things away and, and feel ashamed of who you are just because of the sort of the sexual desires that you have for heaven's sake. Oh yeah. I have this theory that literally no one is actually vanilla. They just either shield it, hide it, stuff it down. There's really nobody who is vanilla. Everybody has kinks, whether you fucking admit it or not, there's yeah. kinks in there somewhere. And on some level you have, everyone has a kink. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've, yeah, I've met people who claim that they don't, but then once you actually talk to them for a little bit, if you can, if you can lead the conversation a little, Nick, to uh-huh. oh, no, 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 it's like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> exactly. And not only that, if they're exposed to something they've never seen before, there might be this little switch in their brain. They're like, oh, shit, look at that. Like, there's going to be some sort of like, you know, explosion somewhere or even a little, little peak, something is going to yeah. intrigue. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've because I've been so open with what I do. A lot of people that you know, I have a lot of friends that I so they're not they're not my king friends, not my fetish friends. They're not in that kind of world. Because I'm open about what I do a lot. You know, everybody knows in my life, for instance, I play roller derby. And, and so I've got a lot of friends on my roller derby team, that, mm. that, that environment. And everybody in my team, they know what I do. They're fully aware of what I do. Uh, they've seen me because I've been at a practice and then had to get changed to practice to go out for a photo shoot. So I love it. I love it's, that. It's like, a, it's like a whirlwind. <laughs> but it's really interesting that people don't people don't talk about their kinks and their fetishes. But as soon as I'm open about and, and, mm. and see that people are not hating me for it, they're not shunning me for it, then people tend to be a little bit more themselves about it and they go oh yeah. that's really interesting and then you can kind of start the same but like oh yeah you I know that you know that you're into this <laughs> you just didn't want to talk about it up until this point kind of thing so yeah no I, I agree with you everybody definitely has kinks that's awesome and the other thing that I think is really bizarre okay so we have diversity everywhere in this world all the different kind of fish all the different kind of I don't know rocks I mean everywhere there's diversity why would there not be diversity in sexuality it doesn't even make any logical sense whatsoever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's inherent human nature to be diverse, right? I mean, that's that's how we evolve right. as a species, right? That's how it's all it's all it's all natural selection. So I guess kink kink is kind of or, or evolution in um, sexual sort of natural selection. I guess. I guess. Yeah. How is, you know what works best for for procreation? I guess in getting us you know getting us horny, getting us wanting to actually have sex. Uh, 
and I guess that's just the, the smorgasbord that we end up with, with, uh, with kinks. Yeah, it's perfectly healthy and it's perfectly natural. Oh, exactly. The diversity is everywhere in our world, all the different kinds of animals. Of course, it should be in our sexuality. I mean, it only makes sense in our gender, all of it. You know, yeah. so people who are like thinking there's just like, you know, one or two ways or even five ways, that's ridiculous. You know, that's like saying there's only five kinds of cats. You know how many kinds of cats there are in the world? There ain't just five kinds of cats. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> people are crazy. I know people that's all in the shame thing. Wait, I am dying to ask this question because I am someone who's actually claustrophobic, right? So okay. this is the other reason I'm so intrigued to talk with you because the idea of putting myself into a piece of latex is actually terrifying to me because I am claustrophobic. Now, okay. do you have no claustrophobia or do you, does that not come into play for you or do you not have it? Did you have to work through any of that? So here's the irony. In certain situations, I can be very claustrophobic. <laughs> mm, interesting. Which is which is quite strange. So, I mean, I think there's varying degrees of kind of why I do. I've chat with a lot of people and even with other models and they've, they've said, oh, can I try one of your hoods on that you wear and different mm. things? Like that. And then it, that kind of process, that kind of freaks me out. That kind of stuff is absolutely not a problem. I simply adore putting those hoods on and putting the latex on. For me, actually getting dressed in the latex, I mean, I, I say this with everybody that I talk to when they ask me sort of what is it about the latex? It's everything about the latex for me. <laughs> it's the smell, it's the way it looks, mm. it's the way it feels. I love the way that it tastes. <laughs> oh, it, it has a taste? Oh, what does it taste like? Uh, sort of just extra special deliciousness. <laughs> um, it's, it's kind of got a, do you know what it is? It has a, it has a really, because it's an organic product, it has this kind of. It's organic? No way. Yeah, I thought yeah, it was like a rubber. Well, I guess rubber is, is organic, right? Yeah, it's got some free, yeah, yeah, yeah. free sap from the rubber tree, right? So it's, yeah. it's it, it, it perfectly, it's like the most organic material you can dress and perfectly eco-friendly and kinky. <laughs> That's so intriguing. I'm totally intrigued. I never really thought about it being organic. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, yeah, and it has this kind of, I don't know, for me, it has this kind of mommy chocolatey taste to it, which I really, really oh, like. Oh, wow. Sometimes depending on the brand of latex, it can have a chocolatey smell to it as well, which yeah. I guess if there's some kind of, I don't know, genetic crossover between the rubber tree and the chocolate plants and different things like that. And oh. um, okay. Yeah, when I get when I get dressed in the latex, I don't know, it just it's kind of freeing to me. It's it's like it's kind of just liberating because I could become my true self. So from a from a claustrophobia perspective, it's not it's not triggering for me at all, but I understand for people why it is. Some of the other stuff that I do, latex vac beds, mummification, breath play, encasement, that that is that's definitely can be a trigger for claustrophobia. Again, I absolutely love that have a sort of a massive encasement fetish and kink i like being encapsulated mm. and i think with that there are sometimes elements of claustrophobia i'd be lying if i said weren't times when i've been sort of in a vac bed or i did a modification session on, on tuesday for a filming shoot and, and i was wrapped in layers of plastic wrap and duct tape and i, I was in that for nearly six hours wow just a small opening near my mouth and there was at one point where you kind of got your, your brain kind of kicks into the, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is right. here? You are not safe. You cannot move. What if, what if these people fall over and just all disappear or walk out? They die, right. You know, you have that kind of, you have that kind of like, oh my gosh. 
and you have to you kind of you kind of have to just say no it's fine just relax don't worry it's safe right, it's right. safety things and stuff like that so yeah of course it kicks in but uh, but yeah i'm not i'm not claustrophobic to the point where i would have panic attacks and i understand why people do it's strange because I'm a dominatrix as well. I do this with a lot of mm. people that I work with. And I think there's various different techniques and methods that you can use with people. I think it's about, it's, it's more about a sort of a gradual meditation process, bringing people down mm. into an encasement scene, as opposed to just like instantly. The VAC bed's a great example of this because like I've seen a lot of people, they say they want to try out a VAC bed because they like latex, they like the look of it. Somebody will put them in a VAC bed and just turn, turn the vacuum on and suck all the air out straight away. That That's going to freak you out, right? That's a really yeah. nice experience. I like to spend a long time with people. I put them in the back bed, leave them in there for a bit with absolutely no vacuum on just to get them used to the space, bring them down gradually, just put the, mm. the vacuum on just for a little bit, a little bit of air out, play with them, make them feel comfortable, bring them down into that kind of meditative state. And that's kind of how you deal with it. But if you're claustrophobic and it's just, it freaks you out, then it's just not for you and it's it's not your kink. But I'm claustrophobic in, I went caving once and I hated every moment of <laughs> Right. Oh, that's like a nightmare to me to think about caving. No, no, oh, yeah, no, no. Absolutely. I couldn't do that. I think it's because there's even when I'm the sub, there's a certain element of control because there's other human beings involved in it. I think once uh-huh. you get to a natural claustrophobic experience like caving, then there's lots of things out of your control. And that's not something that I can oh, get with. Right. Saying that, I do have a buried alive fetish, but that, that's a completely different story. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Uh, yeah, because like when I think about even yeah, that mummification stuff too, that's like terrifying. Like I'm so claustrophobic, I I can't handle going underwater. That's how claustrophobic I am. Okay, yeah, I don't I don't think mummification's for you then. <laughs> no, no, no. But I find it intriguing, and then I understand why people like it. And the whole like being cradled and you know kind of like cozy. I understand that kind of perspective, but I don't think I could actually ever do it myself. But when I was talking with with him for well, my friend's name, Red, Christian Red. Yeah. He was talking about how that's actually he helps people work through claustrophobia when he's doing shibari, which I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Like you're is. talking about with the vacuum thing, right? Yeah, for sure. Like I think with there is a there's a strange crossover. I have a I have a dominatrix friend from London called Divine, and uh, she's actually a she's a trained therapist and she does therapy, but she explores mm-hmm. therapy through kink and sex. And it's because when you're in a kink setting, people tend to be a little bit more free to explore yeah. things and push their boundaries because that kind of um, that horniness kicks in, that sexual desire and appetite kicks in, and it t- tends to override some of our some of our other instincts that sometimes hold us back. And mm-hmm. I think once you can get past the, if you're in a situation where you can feel safe with somebody, and, and Christian's an amazing at this, he's such an amazing rigor and dom. Mm-hmm absolutely 100% feel safe with them regardless of what we're doing and regardless of the ties that we're doing and yeah being able to be in that situation from his perspective with the ropes it's about surrendering control it's about letting go it's about accepting the situation that you're in and giving control over that situation to somebody else in your life be it the rigger the dom a partner you know whatever's going on and being able to go with the flow and just enjoy the simulation that comes from that and not be scared of it because there's somebody else there to look after you and i think yeah from from a shibari point of view it's yeah it's different than sort of what i do because it's not directly you know you wouldn't assume that you'd be claustrophobic with the ropes but i can tell you once you are tied in a shibari tie and you really can't move it's very restrictive it can feel claustrophobic and so yeah totally agree with christian you can you can use kink and bds 
techniques to help people kind of guide them through a process of dealing with um, sort of fears and different things like that. Yeah. That's fascinating. So do you consider yourself, you said you're, you're a dominatrix, are you always dominant or are there people that you are submissive to and others that you are dominant to? I am, I would say I'm definitely a thoroughbred, thoroughbred switch. So okay, I'm 50-50. Yep. I can go either way depending on the situation. I love to be dominant, but I also love to be submissive as well. Mm, sure. I love to play in the gray areas between all of that. You know, I love to be a bratty sub because <laughs> you know, there's always there's always this there's always the kind of whole thing is that is is the sub really the dominant because they're they're right. they're, they're controlling the scene to a certain degree and <laughs> the yes. sub because they're doing it and I loved I love to play in that headspace in between it's like who's in charge here who's actually controlling the scene and just right just fluctuate between it I just find that really really delicious. But yeah, it depends on who, obviously it depends who I'm playing with and it depends on kind of the mood that I'm in, but I love aspects of all of it. And I just love exploring aspects of all of it. Um, I know people, you know, people out there that are purely dominant and purely submissive. And and I totally, I totally get where they're coming from, from that. Like they're, they're sort of, they have that focus on that part of it because that's what really does it for them. And that's amazing. And, and, you know, those people are just amazing at what they do. Some of the dominatrixes that work with some of the subs that I've worked with in filming and different things like that. Yeah, for me, I love the um, I love the middle ground and being able to play both sides. <laughs> oh yes, I guess I want it all. I want all of it <laughs> as much as I can get. <laughs> that is so awesome. I love that. And you can get your brain in those different places. That's what's really you know. And you and you're, you have to have the ability to fully trust. I mean, I think from from you know doms and subs, right? There needs to be full yeah. trust both ways. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think if you don't have the trust, if you can't establish the trust at the very beginning, then whatever you're going to do, whether it's a a scene or whether you're having a session with a dominatrix or a sub or you're filming, or it's just playing between, you know, consensual play between two partners. If there's not a baseline of trust, then the scene, whatever you're doing, it's just not going to work or you're not going to get, you're not going to get the most out of it. You're not going to enjoy it so much. And so I think it's really important that people have We've got to be open with each other before we do these things and 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 have the conversations. Like one of the things that I joke about with, with, with sort of people who are in my life that are in not in the kink industry and um, sex work industry, and they think it just kind of spontaneously happens. Like you just kind right. of just you just arrive at the dungeon and like you just fall into this BDSM scene. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, no, this, you know, no. we fill out we fill out waivers and forms and we have a we sit down and we we have a cup of coffee, we discuss things and we and we go through sort of the safe words and the con- consent and limits and different things like that. It's very administrative, very yeah. God, this is the stuff that we don't film. I mean, unless you've got a bureaucracy kink, but that, that's definitely not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose um, that could exist. <laughs> I, oh, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. Let's go to the IRS, right? <laughs> so funny. I never thought about that. Yeah, you're right, though. I'm sure somebody has it somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like I think one of the one of the amazing things that I've that I've seen with regards to the kink um, world is that it's how open people are about consent and talking about it, and how yeah. you know how forward people are going to clubs. I'm a regular attendant at Torture Garden here in the UK. Just the amount of effort that people put into safety and the well-being of the people who are going to play in these kink spaces is amazing compared to such as regular nightclubs, regular club events yeah. where you get problems with sexual harassment. It is that 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 shit is not tolerated in the kink scene. I mean, it happens and it shouldn't happen and it should be called out when it does happen. But yep. 
from my perspective, I've seen more effort within the kink scene to stamp that stuff out than in the right, just sort of going to vanilla nightclubs, you know? And I think, I think because of the sort of, you know, the dynamic of what you're about to do with kind of this kind of play, I think it's, you have to inherently have these conversations and that's, that's where the trust comes from. You start to build that trust by having open and honest discussions with the, the people that are involved. And then you take that trust actually into the play. So it builds a foundation and it's the most important thing to a satisfying session. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting, like that the vanilla world actually has it all backwards. Like they think they have the total wrong opinion about how things happen. They don't think there's all this consent. They don't know. And it's like the vanilla world actually is much worse with consent than you're judging the people in the kink. And the kink world is, uh, that's the way it should be with consent. So it's really interesting to me to watch that dynamic and how it's like the, the vanilla view is just so messed up. It's just so wrong and they don't even get it. And they're judging other people. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, like, I can, can see it to a certain extent. I can see it from the vanilla perspective a little bit because what they actually see is like, for instance, you know, say I go to the torture garden on a regular basis and there's a Dom there who I simply adore called Ben. He's, he's very delicious. He looks like an elf. I love him very much. <laughs> um, and he is he's amazing i love i love cp play mm. i love being spanked flogged whipped caned and everything that comes with that when i mm. go into the garden ben is always there because he's one of the sort of he's one of the moderators and people that looks after the dungeon area and mm. you know we always have a play for about half an hour together at torture garden and mm. you know from a vanilla person who's like just come into say they just stumbled into the torture garden for whatever reason and they'll yeah. see they'll see me strapped down to they'll see me strapped down to the horse they'll see they'll see ben going to town on me with canes and floggers and my ass is running with blood and right and i'm screaming i mean i'm screaming in pleasure and joy from it but from their perspective they could go oh my god what is going on here yeah. what they haven't right. seen is my sort of 15 20 minute conversation with ben beforehand mm-hmm. sort of getting into that position having a chat having a t- or usually having a cup of tea before we start because you know, <laughs> we're, we're that boring <laughs> um, right, right. and just getting into that zone and having that conversation first them not seeing because we you know we, we don't do that in front of everybody else that's a private no, right yeah but what they see is the public display of it but they don't they don't get and then they don't get the aftercare as well and and I think once they do see the full picture, it makes it more obvious, but they're just getting this small snapshot. And I think that's because they think it's so taboo. They can't be seen to be looking at that anything more than that quick snapshot. And then they make those right. they make those quick judgments. And I think that's where the problem is. Yeah, that's very true, I think. And I think too, some of the, the content out in the world don't necessarily doesn't necessarily help. Like people, books, whatever, like might portray it incorrectly. So then people might just believe that that's how it really is, you know, like they absolutely. just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's weirdly, again, this, this this is this dynamic of anything that society treats as taboo never gets right. a fair shout when people talk about it. The representation sort of in, in the public domain for mass consumption is always one of negativity. And again, going back to the kind of the trans issue, how trans people are portrayed in, yeah. in public media up until a certain point it's either always uh, trans women were the butt of the joke it was always some male yeah. comedian dressing up as a woman for laughs or we were always the you know we're always the we're always the 
Buffalo Bills in Silence of the Lambs, the, the weird right. doing this and different things like that. And it's, yeah. not, it's not a true representation. It's the same with Kink, right? Yeah. It's why, it's why I love The Matrix so much because there was so much positivity <laughs> around Kink in there. The outfits were amazing. They were going to the yeah. and stuff. And it was cool. It was like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I love this. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely amazing for sure. I agree. It's so true, though. But yeah, it's great that we can like have these conversations and maybe someone will hear and see and learn more, which yeah. is one of the things I love to do, too, is just, you know, expose people to these things. And so I have a question that's been like rattling around in my head. How do you get the mummification stuff off? Like, I mean, it's like, it's, I don't get it. You have to like cut it. Like, <laughs> yeah. So it's OK. So I mean, at first, it depends on what you've been mummified in, because it's not I think there is exclusively I would say mummification deals with two materials for the mainstay. The first one is generally some form of plastic wrap around mm-hmm cling film that's usually the that's usually the the base layer unless you're hardcore like some people are and just go duct tape straight onto skin oh um, man yeah yeah like some of the people that get it for me i prefer the plastic wrap i like the layering process which is why i do it but also you know that duct tape straight on skin is, is kind of cool but yeah mm. some it's, it's usually some form of tape on top a lot of people stop with the plastic wrap because they're comfortable with that mm-hmm is it's not as constrictive as the tape over the top of it. There's a okay. little bit more flexibility. But yeah, then the tape goes on over the top of it. It's either okay. tape or electrical tape. And that's what kind of that finishes the mummy off. There are other forms of mummification that you can take it to the next level, like fiberglass and plaster cast mummification. Oh. So I have not done yet, but I absolutely want to try. Wow. Um, so if you're taking that off, you generally need like a small buzz saw to get out of it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like um, a cast, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, basically, um, for the mummifications, uh, the standard mummifications with the tape and the, the cling wrap, a pair of safety scissors. So they're like kind of like medical safety scissors that yeah. you, the paramedics yeah, okay. have. It's basically one one sharp edge and one blunt edge. The blunt edge yeah. goes in the bottom, so nothing gets none of them. You know, you can't. It's impossible to cut skin with those. Yeah. And yeah, you just you just snip, snip somebody out of it. It's fairly okay. fairly quick, I would say, to get out of a mummification. You know, <laughs> usually three to four minutes if the the dom the dom is really good and they know what they're doing. So yeah, it's it's it is quite easy to get out of. It takes longer to get into it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can imagine. Yeah, now, definitely. how do you feel like when it comes off? Is there like a sense of relief? What kind of emotions do you feel once the mummification is off? Oh, God. It's depending on how long I've been in there and how intense the session has been. It can be it can be anything from just sort of a a kind of it's always it's always shockingly bright because you've been in complete mm. darkness and. Yeah. Um, it's always very intense because there's always there's an there's kind of like an immediate temperature change, lighting. Oh. Change. So it's very like sensory overload a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I bet. So like if I'm doing a mummification scene with people, I'll have like a robe ready. I'll dim the lights when the tape comes off to make sure it's not too intense for people, and then you gradually bring them back up. From an emotional standpoint, if I've had a if I've had a really intense session, if I've been in there for a really long time, I've been known the kind of like it's kind of like a it's, it's kind of like a rebirthing to a certain extent. It is yeah, that was the word very, I was thinking of rebirth. rebirth. Yeah, yeah, it really, it really, really is because you you get into a once you once you go through you kind of go through stages. You go through the the wrapping up process, which is kind of the surrendering. The, the you know the the loss of movement the loss of sensation the loss of sight hearing the sensory deprivation element of it 
you then go through this kind of the mental process once you're in there of complete surrendering to the situation and acceptance of the new world that you inhabit, which is incredibly small and hyper on just the small tidbits of sensation that you get from the outside world so like maybe the you know the the touch of the dom on your head just to let you know that they're still there or it could be right the right the way up to um sort of you know the vibrator going on that's attached to the wrap on the outside which is very nice so if you really want to mix it up with a bit of e-stim or as i did in the clip on tuesday some tickling um <laughs> and you're getting that small amount of communication to the outside world, but you are isolated. And the longer that you're in there, you just mentally become accustomed to it very quickly. So when you come back out of it, it's like you're rejoining the world. And time time when you're in any kind of sensory deprivation is weird. It's so, so strange. You just don't experience the passage of time. Same. I had no idea for six hours on Tuesday last week. I thought it was like, and I was like, are, we, are you sure we're done? It seems like I was only in there for 45 <laughs> minutes. And they were like, no, we shot like two hours worth of film footage. You've been in there for six hours. Like, oh my God. And I'm like, wow. I was, I was cozy and comfortable in there. I know any of my problems and worries in life are gone because they don't <laughs> exist inside the wrap. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it is. It's a re- a rebirthing process and I find it find it really cathartic it's really really cathartic because it allows you to on a kind of spiritual level it allows you to center yourself quite a bit which is which is really really helpful it's great yeah. from a king because especially you know it's, it's very exciting love it from that point of view but yeah from a from a spiritual side of point it's fantastic as well oh that's amazing so now you mentioned the toy so the toys are applied to you when you're mummified yeah so um it depends depends on what everybody everybody's different what everybody enjoys but i've done a, I've done a range of things with with mummification starting with sort of anal plugs uh vibrators either underneath the wrap or on top of the wrap depending on what's mm. going on you can have such a variety of amazing toys these days so you know oh you yeah <laughs> you can have vibrators underneath the wrap that can be wirelessly controlled or Generally, what happens depending on the depending on the dom, they end up usually going for some kind of attachy magic wand on the outside. If they're feeling extra specially nasty, they'll just duct tape it in, in the right place on the outside. They just right. leave, just leave, just just leave, need to be forced to orgasm again and again. <laughs> right to enjoy the torment. Yeah, I've done it with Eastim as well. So I've had sort of Eastim attached to my nipples or, you know, to my mm. ass cheeks and stuff like that and, and uh-huh. been zapped while I'm wrapped up. Maybe a bit of breath play with a gas mask over the top of the wrap and, and different okay. things like that. Um, but also temperature as well. Um, so I've done a couple of mummifications where people have used like ice cubes on the outside, mm-hmm. which, which is quite intense and stuff. Oh, like that. yeah. Really, really, really cool. Yeah. And so this is why I'm confused. Cause like, so like when I orgasm, I'm like moving, you know, like my body is moving. I can't imagine orgasming where I like can't move. Like you can still obviously orgasm. Like, Cause I don't know. I don't think I'd be able to orgasm because that's part of it for me is like the movement. Um, yeah, it's, it's a strange one. Normally think, would think coming out of a modification can be very relaxing and it is, but if you orgasming like my shoulders are still aching a little bit from the session on tuesday and it's because because you are orgasming your body is struggling to move in those kind of natural ways but you can't and I, I really enjoy that you have to again you have to surrender you have to surrender to it you have to just go to it because the the vibrate you know whatever the stimulation is tends to be so intense you cannot yeah. fight it. you try to you try to fight it you try to move to try to get the <laughs> The body wants to control the orgasm, but you can't. Yeah, but I can't. Absolutely cannot because you are fixed in place. Yeah. 
like so if you're mummified you're not strapped down to anything or taped down to anything you can still kind of you can move oh. your body as a whole unit but yeah like wiggle yeah you can wiggle from side to side you can kind of flop about like this big kind of duct tape worm if you want to but <laughs> on, on tuesday i did the dominatrix was controlling the scene she then just strapped me down to this oh. bench chair that i was in so i had absolutely no movement whatsoever <laughs> um, wow and then, and then she then she put a milking machine on me. So I, yes, I'm trans, but I haven't had surgery yet. So I still have a cock. And okay, so she, yep. Yeah, she put me on a milking machine. I couldn't do anything about it. It was, it was absolutely chaotic deliciousness. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, your body is, your body's kind of wanting to do its natural thing, but it, it can't. And I really enjoy that. <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting. I, I'm so curious. Like that part sounds amazing to have that part where you're just very intense. But yeah, I just wonder would my body shut down and be like, oh, sorry, we can't do the normal thing. So you don't, you're not going to orgasm. Like would it ruin my orgasm? I don't know, I guess. But that's an intriguing thing to think about. Oh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I did. everybody's different with it. I mean, I suppose if if you're I guess if your if your kinks involve that free organic movement of your body, then mm-hmm. what you might find is that yeah, the mummification doesn't do it for you. You're claustrophobic anyway, so putting you into a wrap would probably not be probably not <laughs> your thing. I mean, you can do mummification with like with say without the head being wrapped. There are various degrees that you could take it, so you could be restrained, but without that aspect aspect of it. I guess you never know until you tried it. But if you haven't got the, if you if you're aware of mummification and you look at that and go, absolutely not, it's probably not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's probably true, but it's, I still find it fascinating. And it, so that that was what I was. My brain kept thinking about this all as we're talking. Like, how how do you? Are you actually aroused? Does it stop you? But for you, it doesn't stop you. Obviously, no, it no. actually can intensify it. Yeah, which is just amazing. And then, and I know people say that with sensation too, even like a simple blindfold can intensify for people, you know, like even something as yeah. simple as that. Yeah, it does. I think with the sensory deprivation, taking away one sense heightens the other senses. Mm. So your, your sense of removing your sense of sight and hearing, for instance, is going to intensify your sense of smell and touch. And so orgasm is is coming from that sense of touch, you know, with being stimulated in the erogenous zones, then it's only going to heighten them if you're if you're happy with having those senses removed. And I guess with mummification, it is it is complete sensory deprivation. So my entire being is focused on the stimulation and nothing else because there is nothing else for me. My, right. my that moment, my entire world is is the stimulation of pleasure. Literally become just a being of pleasure. God, that that sounds that sounds absolutely. It sounds so ridiculous. I sound like I'm some kind of like new age guru. Like you know, isn't that? Don't you feel like that? I mean, like I even I even feel like an orgasm is like that. Like sometimes it's so strong that it's like it's like you're waking up after it. You're just like yeah. you know aware in a different way. So it makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is. Yeah, it sounds it sounds cheesy, but it is actually it's true. That's kind of the process that you go through. Yeah, it's just it's it's mind blowingly good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's totally mind blowing. So and then interviewed a woman who was a dominatrix and she was talking about how it's really hard to get the latex on. It's a long process. What did she say? Oil? Is that what you use? You use some? Is it oil that you help get it on your body with? So there's there's two there's two kind of schools of thought to get dressed into latex. One of them does involve kind of oil. It's basically lube. It's a special what's called a dressing aid, and it's kind of like uh, it's like water based lubricant that doesn't affect the latex that you buy from the manufacturers who make latex shine. Okay. 
And so, yeah, it's kind of like it has a kind of similar consistency to baby oil, but it's slightly different in the way that it kind of that it kind of goes on to the latex. But, yeah, you basically just you put it onto the latex itself, which helps it sort of glide on. If you try and put latex on without any kind of aid, you're just yeah, you're either you don't know what you're kind of don't know what you're doing and you're in for a rough time or you're a sadist. <laughs> yeah, I bet. You know, um, and I, the, the other kind of school is talcum powder. A lot of people oh. like talcum powder. I used to use talcum powder. The problems I have with talcum powder is that you inherently sweat in latex, when, especially when it's hot. When you sweat and you've got talcum powder, as anybody will know, it kind of turns into this kind of milky porridge and it drips down the inside. Stockings or a cat suit with feet at the end of the night. Yeah. You can, you basically peel your latex off and it's horrible, mushy, sweaty talcum uh, feet, which is it's not great. That sounds so, bad. Yeah, I use the oil because, yeah, I mean, what I would say is latex to a certain extent has this reputation that it's very difficult to get dressed into. And yeah. it, it is. It's not, you know, it's not like putting on a pair of jeans or a shirt or something like that. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not a regular dress. You have to, all I would just say is don't be afraid to use too much dressing aid. There's never such a thing as too much dressing aid. It will always help you. People rip their latex or puncture it because they're not, they're oh. not getting properly. Um, you've always, yeah, and all that, that horrible moment when your latex splits. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. So you use plenty of dressing aid and take your, like I say this to a lot of people, take your time with it. It's a central experience getting dressed in latex. Enjoy the moment. You don't have to rush to get, you're not, you're not getting changed. You're not getting ready to go out to work in the morning when you're getting dressed in latex. <laughs> that's your me. <laughs> and that's your job. Right. But even then, even then, enjoy the process. Enjoy. You're wearing latex for a reason because you enjoy wearing it the way you look, the way it feels, or how it makes you feel. Enjoy that. Sort of just take your time and just gradually sort of slip into it, glide into it, and and just go through that transformative process of putting it on. And yeah, plenty of yeah, plenty of lube, plenty of lube. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's not just like wiggling into a pair of skinny jeans and zooming out the door. That's not no, what this is definitely- about. Definitely, definitely not. No, there's a lot. There's a lot of struggling and things going snap and pop and and, and you're going. Oh God, I've got to roll my thumbs down. Oh yeah, and anybody who's got long nails, just put some gloves on before you put the latex on because nail punctures on latex are the most common thing and it's tragic. I even suggest people have, you know, um, chefs when they cut their finger, they have those those kind of like finger condoms that they put on. Oh yeah, I have bags of <laughs> like two hundred of those. If my nails are a little bit long. I'll put finger condoms on mine to all of my hands whilst I'm getting dressed oh, to make okay. sure. That makes sense. It's quite a sight. <laughs> yeah, and if these things are expensive, you don't want to accidentally stab your fingernail, and that's just heartbreaking. I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you know. Latex varies in price depending on where you're getting it from and how it's been manufactured. But like some of the outfits that I wear on a regular basis are going to cost me sort of between $300, $400 up to mm. about $100, $1,600, depending on how complex the outfits yeah. are. And the last thing you want to do is break like a $500 cat suit because mm. you go through it because, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> it's not a good feeling. No, that'd be so sad. So how do you store latex? Like I have all these weird questions. I mean, do you like lay it flat? Does it hang up? How does it go? These are not weird questions, by the way. These are great okay. questions. Um, <laughs> um, again, there's different schools of thought. So the first thing is you've got to keep latex out of um, direct sunlight. UV light destroys it. It perishes it. Oh. As we were saying before, it's a natural product. So yeah. it's 
it is inherently biodegradable over time latex perishes regardless of how you regardless of how you look after it uh, it's probably maximum got a shelf life of about 10 years before the latex just starts to degrade it dries out it gets to a point where it becomes brittle and then it snaps and it starts to sort of splinter and break apart if the latex is good quality you will get to that 10 years some really cheap stuff might only last two or three years before it happens it has it doesn't have a permanent shelf life unfortunately but if you I would say you keep it polished because the polish protects it and you can get polish mm. with you protection in it as well. Always make mm-hmm. sure it's polished. For me, what I tend to do is I, I always make sure after I wash my latex, after I used it to make sure there's any like any sweats taken away from it, anything that could interfere with the latex, polish it up. And then I wrap it in sort of very plain non-dyed tissue paper. And then it goes into Ziploc bags, which I take as much of the air out as possible. And then I store things flat in, in sort of the different labeled store. I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, um, I'm very sort of ADHD with my latex storage. Everything is labeled. <laughs> I have a spreadsheet. It's all, it's all coordinated. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Some people I know are not. They kind of just put it away. Some people like to hang their latex up. If you've got the ability to be able to do that. I know, I know a couple of my friends have really nice sort of amazing latex walk-in wardrobes situations where oh, it's all okay. off the light and everything like that. But even then yeah. they, they keep things in like um, sort of, clothing bags you know those clothing bags around just yeah. sort of a fancy dress and stuff like that. you've got that yeah. zip up and even then they sometimes use tissue paper as well so making sure it's polished making sure that it's properly clean that it's covered in some sort of tissue paper to keep it you know to stop any moisture problems or anything like that take as much of the air out as possible and either store it flat well folded or hanging up and that will give it the the best sort of shelf life possible Huh, I hadn't even thought of washing it, but yeah, you'd have to wash it. I mean, yeah, could it there, not? <laughs> yeah, there, there's specialized, yeah, there's specialized washes that you get. So normally you'll get, there are a couple of companies out there that Vivashine and Gloss are the two kind of main ones. And lots of the latex clothing manufacturers have their own range of latex shine, latex dressing aid, and latex wash. And you have to get specific ones because if you try to wash your latex in, say, you know, like washing powder or something like that, it's going to ruin yeah. your latex. There's going to be uh-huh. chemicals that are going to react to it. So you sure. need the proper tools for the job. Yeah, latex is just its amazing how it can perish in some situations the type of latex and the color of it as well so if, if you've got dark colored latex you're kind of okay but if you have light colored latex so like white latex is a nightmare for keeping stains off oh. it stains really 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 quickly so if it okay. comes in metal or certain services it has a reaction to it and it stains oh. off. yeah wow. you've got to be very very careful about you're leaning up against or who's leaning up against <laughs> you Wow, that's really particular, right? Yeah, like guys hitting on me in the torture garden and he's covered in like leather and steel straps and I'm wearing semi-transparent lately because I'm like, dude, you look no, no. great. Don't come at me with the metal. <laughs> Don't touch me with your metal. Yeah. <laughs> at least not right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. So interesting. Oh, man. I just, these are things I never really thought about. And I, I'm like so dumb. I kept thinking that it was like synthetic in some way. So. I don't know. I mean, I think it looks really cool. Oh, this is my question. Which one of your outfits is your current favorite oh, latex no. outfit? You can't. That's like asking, <laughs> do, you have a favorite, do you have a favorite cat? <laughs> oh, I totally understand what you're saying. Completely. Like impossible to pick, right? I mean. Oh, God, that's such a difficult one. Um, I would caveat whatever answer that I'm about to give with that. I, this changes like the seasons with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite outfit right now is actually an outfit I've just shot in recently. 
from Cat House Clothing, which is their clinic medical um, collection. Mm-hmm. I've literally just put out a post on Instagram about sort of five minutes before we started this interview uh, with with sort of the first fo- photograph from a series of photographs I did just before Christmas. It's amazing. So I've got like a smoky black semi-transparent cat suit as a base. And then on top of that, I've got this amazing jade green and red sort of clinic outfit, which is involves this amazing bra with lots of straps on it, um, a, a corset and um, sort of girdle suspender belt with sort of stockings with like jade green stockings with like red medical crosses on them. Mm-hmm. I've got some red gauntlets on. And then I've got this cute, amazing kind of like, it's like this kind of 1920s, 1930s styled sort of medical cape. So this tiny little cape attached around the neck that just covers the top of the shoulders. And then I have this kind of, because it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be medical without something COVID related, right? So I've got this COVID mm-hmm. mask. So it's like a latex COVID mask with like a big in jade green with this big red cross over the front of it. It's divine it's just such a, everything is just works perfectly with that collection and there's so many bits and pieces that i've got to play with it like a little hat and an eye patch uh sort of kill bill inspired inspired mm-hmm. eye patch that goes with it and yeah i think it's the coloring that works so well it's the jade green with the red that's uh, definitely top of my list at the moment but i guess if you talk to me in three months time i will have an absolute I guarantee, actually i guarantee you that i will have because i'm working with a designer on the moment on kind of like a classical Classical Greco-Roman gladiator-inspired latex outfit, and I that will be where I am this time in three or four months. That will be my favorite, but right now it's the medical. (laughs) That's awesome. So then, if people want to see that, they can go to your uh, your Instagram, which is Prince. So you have like underscores there, right? So what is your Instagram? Say that quick, so people can go check that out. I have it in front of me. If you don't remember it, I don't off the top of my head. I knew. Okay. I totally get it. So what I wrote down, hopefully I'm not wrong, at princess underscore latex underscore rubber underscore doll. Yep, that's the one. That is absolutely it. Yes. Yep, that's it. And Uh, since we're saying that, we might as well say the other one. So on Twitter, you're at princess latex RD. Yep. Yep. And OnlyFans, you're princess latex rubber doll. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Those are my those are my three main feeds at the moment i will be having a, my own personal website will be coming out in the next couple of months once it's finished oh, nice and that's going to have a lot of my content on it videos and sort of behind the scenes photographs and exclusive content i'll be publishing that all over my social feeds sort of when it's ready to go oh that's awesome that's very cool and then you so what when i looked at your your link tree it says something about uk fetish awards what's that all about yeah, so that was that, that. That's been a bit of a whirlwind with the UK Fetish Awards. So every year in the UK, a few sort of people within the industry, sort of the the uh, the I would say the people who've been in the industry for a really long time, they kind of come together and run an award ceremony for everybody that's involved in the UK fetish scene. It's open to um you know international people to to apply as well, but it's generally voted for by sort of people within the UK fetish scene, and. Yeah, when I first started modeling, I was be- I was nominated for the best newcomer category. Came runner up. I couldn't believe it. I was oh, like, awesome. yeah, that was awesome. And then last year I was nominated in the, the best latex model category, which like awesome. for me, this is crazy because there's people in this category that I've been following and sort of admiring for so many years. Like when I wasn't modeling and different things like that. And people only voted me the runner-up in the best latex model category this year as well. I sw- honestly, I swear, my, I was there with my friend Kat, and we w- we were up in kind of the balcony area at this club in London where they host the award ceremonies. 
It's an amazing venue. It's like a 1920s inspired speakeasy directly under London Bridge and on the embankment. And it's just such a cool venue. It's kind of like the stage is on the ground floor and all the seats are built up. And I was in one of these balcony sort of seating areas and my name was called up for the best latex model and his, his best runner up and I I just started crying I couldn't stop I was so, yes. so happy I was like oh my god I just I can't believe it I just have imposter syndrome from it still I couldn't I couldn't believe it but yeah right. it's such a fun night because it's like everybody that you chat to you know on socials and you, you have conversations with and you might run into a model at a photo shoot but then you don't see them for the rest of the year everybody tends to just gravitate to the to the fetish awards at the end of the year and it's just mm-hmm. a big it's an amazing ceremony. People get, you know, people get awarded the awards, but it's not just the awards. There's great performances, great DJs for music, the, you know, the bars flowing, the champagne's flowing. Everybody's having an amazing, amazing time. And you just get to see everybody that you, you've you seen once or twice during the year, but just in a more relaxing setting, like a non-work setting. And it's amazing for networking as well. Oh my, I've booked so many photo shoots just from going to the Fetish Awards as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. It's just all around, it's a great, great night. Well, congratulations. And that is wonderful. And to have the networking too, that's like, that's oh, yeah. huge. That's yeah, just yeah. huge. How fun. That sounds really awesome. It is. It's a great night. Yeah. I would say to anybody who's sort of involved in the, in the sort of the kink industry and even people who aren't, you know, if you just like, if you, if you love following all of us as models and, and dominatrixes and stuff like that, you can buy tickets. You can go and you can go to attend. Oh. You can be there and you can party with us and stuff like that. So nice. uh, keep an eye out for it next year. Anybody who's listening who's going to be over in the UK and uh, grab a ticket and come along and party with us. What time of year is it usually? Uh, usually November. Sometime November. November. Weirdly, it's normally on a Tuesday evening, which I say weirdly, but like, you know, you know, when you work in kink, you don't have a Monday to Friday night to find you. Right. right. Nope. So, Tuesday is just the same as a Saturday and Sunday. But, you know, yeah. if you do, then it's a bit of a strange night. But I would just say, come down, book the Wednesday off work and you'll have a great time. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I'm starting a new thing on my podcast and you're the first person I'm going to try this on. So it's okay. a series of personal questions about your own sexuality. And if you don't want to answer one, you could just type. <laughs> <"I'm out." laughs> Are you in? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> okay. So this, this is the very first time I'm trying this. Okay. What was your main reason for having sex the first time? And how is it different from why you have sex now? Oh God. The main reason I had sex for the first time, who are the main, the first time I had sex, was on a college trip to mm. Barcelona uh, with my sociology class. And I guess I had sex because I felt that I needed to have sex because I was that age and I hadn't had sex at that point. So I guess peer right. pressure. <laughs> yeah, very common. <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that, that's basically that. In retrospect, it was terrible. It wasn't good sex. It wasn't good for me. I don't think it was good for her. <laughs> I, everybody says, I don't, is it ever good for anybody the first time? I wonder. I don't, I don't think so, no. <laughs> I, don't know, I know, right? Hmm. <laughs> we all have to start somewhere, I guess. <laughs> it's a learning process, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And yeah. how do you how is it different from now? Like your desire to have sex now? What what do you think about? Are you thinking about the pleasure? Are you thinking about the end game? Are you thinking about the experience? Or can you not decipher one main reason? No, when I you know, when you first start having sex. It's definitely kind of about the end game. That was a, that was very specifically. I need to have sex so people can know that I've had sex. So I'm you know I'm no longer a virgin kind of thing. But the social stigma of it all and wanting to be there. And you go through a process with sex of exploration. I think of trying things out. I know what I like now, and so for me, sex is about 
purely about pleasure in the experience. You know, it's, sometimes I don't even have to orgasm. It's about the experience. You know, orgasms are great and everything, but you can have sex without orgasming and it can still be an amazing experience. So when I'm, when I'm choosing to have sex with people and, and I'm picking my partners, I'm freely open and honest about it. I was actually discussing this with somebody very, very recently. And I was saying, you know, past the point where I kind of, I'm, there's no nuance with me. I'm going to tell people up front. It's like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. And this is, this yeah. is kind of, this is kind of how I want to approach this. And I hope you're okay with this because I'm too old and I've been through too many sort of <laughs> foolish teenage fumbling around yeah. trying to get things right to say, look, I don't want, I don't want to waste your time if you're not into the same kink that I'm into, or you don't want to have the same sex that I have. That's kind of where I am with it right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to be because you don't want to waste time. You don't want to waste each other's time and, and you're just not a match. Then why go through all of that to find out that you're not a match? Exactly. Life's, life's too short. It's, it's not. And I think inherently knowing that just because you're not a match, that's okay. You don't like right. you know, sex. Every time you have to have sex with somebody, it doesn't have to be like this mind blowing, amazing experience. If you don't connect, you don't connect. That's fine. That's, it's okay. Don't, don't worry. Move on. Find, find somebody else kind of thing, you know? Exactly. And it doesn't mean you're not going to find somebody. Exactly. Yeah. You will. Trust me. You will. <laughs> Definitely. (laughs) So the next question is, what's your favorite position for sex and why? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) favorite position in what? Oh, my God. In what context? Like, yeah, that's kind of that's such a difficult question for me because it's loaded in so many ways, because Mm -hmm. like (laughs) for you, it is a difficult question. I appreciate my topping and my bottoming. I, you know what? I love, I love, love to be restrained. Wouldn't say that I have a very specific um, sort of favorite sexual position. I think for me is probably would say that I, if I'm actually having sex, I prefer to bottom. And I think if I'm bottoming, I like to have the person that's topping me to have some form of control over me. That could be simply just pinning me down, being had put it, applying that kind of pressure to me mm-hmm. to being restrained in some some shape or form even though I'm kinky as hell and you you know people will probably look at my profile and just imagine that every sex that I have is me dressed head to toe in latex and I'm somehow right. you know strapped up in some cocoon to the wall or something like that with some <laughs> going somewhere. that's not the case yeah. you can know, have what you would consider kind of vanilla sex but like to have that I like to have that being dominated feeling being controlled in a certain way and so I think that that's kind of what I would say my favorite position is. I like, yeah, I like somebody to to dominate the hell out of me. <laughs> gotcha. Well, that, yeah, that's that's a perfect answer for it. It makes, works for an answer. Absolutely. And now this next question, you kind of hinted at it earlier, but I guess we don't know the absolute if this is one of your top ones. But what's one kink you haven't tried yet that you're just dying to try? Oh, God. So, yeah, I did. would love to do like a plaster encasement fiberglass cast mummification that's definitely definitely something that i would love to try just to take that kind of encasement to the next level i do have i do have a buried alive kink as well wow (laughs) i guess it's like it kind of takes that encasement to i guess the final destination stage yeah for sure I've, i've seen some other people do it before you know um sort of sort of where, where they've been sort of covered in covered in dirt covered in earth but you know tied up in a certain kind of way i've seen people be mummified or put in kind of boxes and then buried and stuff like that and in various different forms and stuff and i'd love to explore that kind of more extreme end of things that would be 
that would be amazing. Also, um, water, water BDSM is something that's kind of high on my list at the moment. Sure. I like the idea of, I like the idea of sort of incorporating underwater scenes with that kind of predicament bondage elements of it. Um, it's something that's high on my list now as well. But again, that this this like my favorite latex is it kind of changes on a fairly regular basis. <laughs> right. Oh, I like it. I'm just like I'm just like um I'm like that dog from uh, from up. Where it's just like I'm walking, I'm, I'm, I'm in TG, and then I just turn my head. And I'm like, oh, squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Yeah. What, is, what is this shiny new fetish I've never tried? Tell me more. I want to experience it. I love that. I think I'll kind of like that at some level. I'm like, oh, wait, what's that? You know, like if you see something and you're like, but what's fascinating to me is that your your ultimate is like my nightmare like we're the complete opposite <laughs> like thinking of being put in a box and buried is like the most probably the most terrifying thing i can think of putting myself through <laughs> I, would, I would i mean yeah i would imagine so for somebody who's, who's claustrophobic yeah that's yeah. But for me i'm just i'm just even thinking about it now and i'm thinking oh how delicious would it be to be mummified inside some kind of coffin environment in that you know where it was going down on the lid and then the sound of the earth yeah. the box on the outside and it just slowly gets quieter and quieter and quieter and i'm like Ooh. fascinating it's like a lot of fun and you're like, I'm in hell right now. Like, I will die in a second if I'm in that situation. I probably would have a panic attack and probably have a heart attack. I bet. I bet I would. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go there. <laughs> but I'm glad you know what you're interested in and what you want to try. That's the important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so the next question is, do you keep private fantasies for your own usage that you keep just to yourself? And does doing that make you feel good or bad if you ha- if you do that? I do. I do. And do you keep them to myself? Mm-hmm. More to do with the fact that I have I have private fantasies about specific people, people that I play okay. with. Yeah. You know, some people that I have crushes on, different things like that. Um, <laughs> like if I'm very open about what I do from a perspective of the the you know the, the clip filming the porn that I film the sessions that I do with the people that I talk about and I'm very open and honest about that but I also you know I have I have personal intimacy with people yeah. and that's, that's personal to me and it's personal to the other person I've shared that intimacy with and I think you just in, you just intrinsically know when you cross the line it, the, these are some these are special moments between two three four more people <laughs> <laughs> yep you have you have those personal intimacy moments and it's just yeah you keep them to yourself you know that they're, they're mm-hmm. for you special and i think that's per- perfectly fine i know yes. I, I this conversation by me saying i'm very open and honest about everything that i do and um but that doesn't extend to me talking about things that are very special to me and somebody else who shared in that intimate moment but that's not about me being ashamed of those it's just that's special for me I keep them I keep myself because nobody else is going to benefit from knowing those special moments that's for me that's other person and then I think that's fine yeah I think that's fine too that's special to you and that's your boundary and I think that's that's the way it should be and you're you're comfortable about it I think that's that's fantastic because some people aren't comfortable about their private fantasies and they are actually ashamed of them you know like they're they're feeling pain because they're aroused by something that they think is somehow shameful yeah I mean I think I would talk about I'm happy to talk about my sexual fantasies in generalistic terms I think and and even specific terms if it's if it's not one of those sort of intimate moments that I want to share with somebody else but like yeah I totally get you know people sort of withdrawing and sort of denying themselves their desires and 
and their kinks is is just detrimental. It's detrimental to themselves and it's detrimental to society, I think, for sure. Oh, I agree completely. Now, the next one is what time of day do you feel most aroused? Because I find some a lot of people have the same like cyclical pattern to their arousal. Do you have that or are you more driven oh by what's happening? I mean, this is going to be, and this is probably going to be one that may or may not have had, depending on whether or not you've talked to a trans person before. So my pattern is not cyclical. My pattern is a big giant ball of chaos. Uh-huh. <laughs> so basically, because because of where I am in my transition, I've been on hormone replacement therapy, HRP, oh. for a while. Mm-hmm. So I've been I've been taking I've been taking testosterone blockers. I take estrogen on a regular basis. I also take mm-hmm. um, something called progesterone as well. All three of those uh, basically interfere with your with your basic your your sexual patterns because your your well I think arousal to a certain extent is hormonally driven and so my hormones are being controlled by the medication that I take and so mm-hmm. progesterone for for example it's basically a very badly kept secret within the trans female sort of a community that progesterone makes you horny and it does oh my god it does oh so, does it okay oh yeah so my my you know, you take your progesterone in the evening before you go to bed because it makes you drowsy. And damn, those sex dreams are good from progesterone. They're <laughs> really, really, really good. So right now, right now for me, I would say early mornings are probably where my horniest. But then saying that, I, you know, I've been known any any time of kind of the late afternoon as well, which is a new thing for me. Before I transitioned. Yes, it was a, it was very much a driver. It could happen during any time during the day. Okay. Now it's very much early mornings, later. Now, do you have to? How long do you have to stay on those? Is it something you have to stay on for life, or what meds do they do they change? Do they stay the same? Do you have to keep taking them? How does that work? Yeah, some of them do. So the testosterone blocker will be. I will come off once my testicles are removed. Okay. Once I have, once I have that surgery, because that's where your testosterone comes from. Um, sure. And and so. That will disappear. Um, the progesterone is basically uh, will go with that because the progesterone helps level out the, the sort of the negative side effects of the testosterone and helps and in, in sort of enhance the the estrogen side effects. I will be on the, I'll be on the estrogen for the rest of my life until the point where my doctors kind of consider that it's time for me to go through the menopause cycle and um, when okay. my estrogen will be dropped down a little bit and I might actually even be given some testosterone to take. Yeah, That's I was going to say that. Yeah, the same as cisgender women going through menopause. You get to a point in your life when you're when you're when you're older or you've started that menopausal sort of cycle where your hormones are a little bit out of whack and you need extra hormones just to stabilize everything. So mm-hmm. for for me, for at least the next 20 years, I will be taking estrogen standard. Once I've once I've had called bottom surgery, um gender confirmation surgery, just on the cards for me in the next couple of years, I think. Um once mm. I pay for it. Um yeah. Once that once that's done, the testosterone blockers and the progesterone will disappear. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it's not like you can't adjust it, right? So, like, if you need to adjust yeah. something, then you just do, right? I oh, mean, that's yeah, absolutely. I not mean, a big I, deal, right? No, you just take more of it or less of it. And it's just, you know, it's for me, it's just like taking, it's like taking your vitamins when you wake up in the morning, right? You know, you have right. on a little bit of estrogen gel and away you go. <laughs> Is your are your family and friends pretty accepting of what you're doing, or are you, do you have people that have like gotten angry at you? No, I've never. Uh, my uh, pretty much everybody knows what I do to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a nice place to be, really. I mean, yeah, like 
There are shades of grey with regards to my extended family in suppose mm. that they're aware of the modelling aspects of what I do, but not the pornography. And that's okay. basically just because more than anything else with my with elements of people in my family, uh, we just don't talk about sex. My parents are from a generation where they just don't talk about sex. Oh. They're not open about it. We're all of our kind of periods of our life where I'm just like, do I really want to start having sex conversation with my parents when they're so they've reached that age we don't talk about yeah. regular sexual relationships so why on earth yeah. i'm just gonna barrel and just go hey mom and dad i'm doing i'm doing porn now <laughs> right exactly exactly no, they're, they're super supportive of the, the the modeling side of things so they're aware that i do latex fetish modeling and stuff like that and in other things and like they're aware because they're aware like i do uh the photography like the shibari shoot that i recently did they, they're aware of that oh, because i'm posting yeah. photographs from that you know and they just see that as an art form and that's just something oh, nice that's good everybody else all my close friends all the teammates and people like that and some members of my family yeah they know they know i'm dominatrix and that i do porn as well i never had a negative reaction about it never had a negative that's so good it's all been positive i mean there might be and people haven't said anything to my face but it's not like i I don't shove it in people's faces i don't make a big deal i just you know when people say what do you do for a job and i go well you know uh, one part of my job is i run a marketing company the other part of my job is i'm a fetish model and a dominatrix and it's just matter of fact just you know it is that is what it is (laughs) so it is what it is i love that i think as long as you open with people respect honesty they want to know who you are and i think if you keep things from what i've learned from being trans is that i think people all tend to have a negative reaction when they've known you for a really long time and then they find out that is a core identity you've withheld it from them they feel betrayed and i okay. never path of withholding that kind of information about myself from people people don't like me because i'm a fetish model and i'm in kink that's fine we don't have to be friends that it's not the end right. of the world for me it's not a deal breaker but at least i'm being honest and open about it from the start so if people do want to say that's not kind of my bag and i don't want to be around you i could say yeah that's fine that's not my problem right. that's not a deal probably won't be friends anyway because we can't have that close connection so yeah, yeah it, was, it was nice to nice to know you kind of thing you know Right, exactly. Yeah, it, that's that's the best way to be able to do it because then you can be honest and upfront. And I like that because so, I feel like some people are doing things they feel like they have to hide it or they yeah. just don't feel comfortable. And then when they finally do say it, then the person says, "Well, why didn't you tell me?" Well, maybe they weren't comfortable talking about it, you know. Like, but that's so great that you are comfortable, yeah. and that's that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. I think on, honesty is the best policy, right? To turn ninety nine percent of the the situation and, and i think as long as everybody's open and honest and the vast majority of people that i meet have a kind heart and they are they are mm-hmm. actually really decent people are decent <laughs> i think yeah. they're all to be decent and understanding and accepting of diversity and it's just when people get into this kind of group mentality and they kind of get forced and pigeonholed and you have to do this or you have to do that that's when it starts to happen you, you start to have problems with it so i like to just say look i'm open and honest with this and Say if you don't, if you don't like it. That's no, it's no big deal. That's fine. It's horses for courses, right? But some people like some things, other people don't. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna have a problem with you because you don't like kink. So, right, you know, you know that that is what it is. It is what it is. What advice do you have for people that are interested in what you're doing, or just want to find out more, or just any kind of just general tips or advice about what you do? Do you have things that you would say? Yeah. I would say anything that you do, go in with an open mind. Be willing to learn. Don't rush into things. This could be advice in general. Life. True. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
think being being open minded, if you're going to dive into if you're going to dive into any aspect of the kink world, for some people, it's, you know, people are hyper focused on specific kinks. And that's great. I love those people to have that kind of clarity in your life, knowing that this is my kink. There shall be no others. <laughs> Absolute kink. But what I tend what I tend to find is that when you start getting involved in the kink world, you are going to be exposed to a kaleidoscope of of sort of the human experience and you're going to see people that are most open and exposed and i would just say just take a pause take a think think before you say anything think before you do anything and try to be open to new experiences and understanding why people enjoy those things and don't be frightened of asking questions because so many times i've heard from so many people that you know they've come up to me club nights or you know in the taxi queue in the app waiting for a cab back after after a night out and different things and they're just saying oh my god i really wanted to talk to some you know wanted to talk to you about this or something but i was scared to because i didn't know if i was like if i was in the scene or not or i was into this and stuff like that everybody's really friendly it's fine to ask questions that's how you learn about things that's how you explore that's how you grow and as long as you go in with an open mind and an open heart to these things you're going to have an amazing amazing time there is such a such a great community out there, wealth of information to dive into and explore. Just suck up the experiences and 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 be positive with it. Stay positive with it. I love all of that, and very good advice for yeah all over all areas of life. Really, I mean that's just yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Generally, yeah. Don't be don't be afraid of messing up. Right. <laughs> don't that's be don't, right. don't be afraid of having having a go. Play safe. Always, always, always play safe and kink and fetish. And consent is definitely key. Do not be afraid of messing up because it's a learning experience and you will just get better as you go. That's right. As long as you're being respectful and aren't yep. being cruel. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Those are the two things. Yeah. you did that. Those are not okay. So is there anything else we have not touched on or talked about that you really wanted to talk about? And also tell everyone again where they can find you. Um, I, I think. We've covered pretty much everything, to be perfectly honest. I think, you know, we've covered the latex. We've covered the BDSM side of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess the only other thing that I sometimes talk about on a regular basis is sort of kind of fetish and fashion and stuff like that. But I think that's yeah. probably, it's a little bit more, I think that's a little bit more sort of, uh, sort of fashion mystery kind of thing, maybe maybe, a, maybe a, a subject for a different podcast in the future at some point, sexuality and fashion. But yeah, um, yeah been amazing chat yeah we've covered we've covered so much it's been um it's been really really great chatting with you yeah people can find me on twitter on instagram and on my only fans and basically basically just stick princess latex rubber doll into google and i'll pop up in some shape or form. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah like go magic go, <laughs> yeah go, go follow me go follow me follow me on insta and enjoy my reels and my and my clips and videos and sign up to my only fans because latex isn't expensive and i need money <laughs> yeah exactly well, this has been so much fun i had an absolute blast talking with you i had so much fun and thank you so much for sharing all of that that's just wonderful to, to be able to share with people and i think it's just fantastic so thank you so much for coming on and people can look down in the show notes to find your links i'll put them down there as well that's great yeah thank you very much for having me on it's been amazing as people who know me will tell, tell you I love talking about myself but I also love talking about <laughs> fetish as well so. well you did fantastic and you had long good juicy yummy explanations so oh, well, I loved it and thank you that's been great that's been great thank you thank you for having me on you have a good night you too you too thanks then okay, bye 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 all right y'all good uh yeah
All good. All good. Just do a quick check in and make sure there's nothing that you wanted to X out or. I don't. I don't think so. I th- okay. Yeah, nothing. As long as you're happy with everything and with the answers and different things like that. Like, like I say, I do. I am a bit of a windbag sometimes with my answers. <laughs> kind of, oh, I think you did fantastic. I think they just go on and on and on and on. So if you wanted to cut, if you wanted to cut stuff out, that's oh, it's a, no. um, editorial control is is up to you. Quite, I'm quite easy with whatever you want to do. You're you're the expert on on this, not me. <laughs> no, I thought it was fantastic. Your an- ex- your answers were great. I have a hard time the people that come on here and they like give me like one or two words in an answer, and I'm like, what? You get oh, that's God, all you yeah. gotta say. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. Speak, speak. Come on, struggle. <laughs> This is your thing. You must have more to say than one or two words, right? This is, you know, because I'm interviewing people about what they do or what they like. I'm like, you, you must have more to say. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. that. Yeah, bless them. Bless them. I always feel sorry for people who, who feel like that. I don't know if it's if you put them on the spot sometimes, like they, yeah. they kind of shy away from it a little bit. But yeah, no, I don't have a problem speaking. If you just let me go with the microphone, I'll bore you to death with, <laughs> with, with anecdotes of fetish. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, and I behind on being interviews. So the nice thing about that is for you, this is going to go live on Friday. Oh, amazing. Amazing. And then I will put it on Sunday on the Pod Nation TV, which I don't know if you guys even have over there. In America, we have Roku TV and Amazon Fire TV devices. You guys have Amazon stuff though, right? So anyways, yeah. that... That channel is on is accessible on Roku devices and Amazon Fire devices as Pod Nation TV. So then that would air for a week, and then and then it also would stream nightly and on the internet, and then it stays on there until the producers decide to take it down. But they usually leave my episodes up for quite a while. So okay, that's great. Yeah, um, drop me drop me an email with all the links to everything and stuff like that, and okay. um, I'll. Yeah. I'll put together like a post for Twitter and Instagram to link out to that and stuff like that and drive drive all the traffic as much as I possibly can do to listen to it. I, I know that I've got a core of fans that will definitely go across and listen to it. See if we can take some sort of extra traffic for both of us and stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much and good luck with everything. And it's been fabulous. Yeah. And hey, come back again sometime. I'd love to chat yeah, again. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We can certainly delve into uh, things in more depth if you want to and be be a little bit more hyper-focused or if there's just another kink that I'm into that you notice that you want to cover, just let me know. We can do it again sometime. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. 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 Okay. I hope you enjoyed that. And it was an amazing chat, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. I learned so much and I just loved hearing different perspectives from what I, <laughs> from what I would be turned on by. And it's just great to expose yourself to this. And wow, what a mind-blowing interview. Oh, I just loved it. It was so much fun. I couldn't get enough. I hope you enjoyed it too. Don't forget to check down in the podcast show notes for all the links that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. And don't forget to try Joy Mode, performance sexual performance booster, 20% off with the code RUIN20. That's 20% off and free shipping with RUIN20 at use Joy Mode, use J-O-Y-M-O-D-E dot com. Ingredients with integrity. Seriously, you gotta try this. Okay, and don't forget to check out all the other amazing shows on Pod Nation TV, like the Happy Hour Podcast, Reviews That Scare. There's so many amazing ones. You should just go check it out on Roku TV and Fire TV devices. You can find our channel, Pod Nation TV. I'm also on the Full Swap Radio Network, where you can find that online and as an app. 
So check me out in all those places and all the different podcast apps as well. And YouTube. I do have a YouTube. I have to be very careful what I put on YouTube because they kind of hate me. I'm on my fourth attempt at a channel. So Ruin Willow Podcasters where I'm at. And I mostly put the interviews there. So if you really want to hear the erotica, you're going to need to go to Pod Nation TV or podcast apps. And some of them do appear on the Full Swap Radio Network. Sometimes they take my interviews. So I never know which one they're going to choose for the week, whether they're going to choose my erotica fiction episode or the interview. So check me out, baby. And if you like my podcast, please give me a review. Please share me. Help me grow as a podcast. I love reaching all of you and juicing up your libido so you can have some fucking fun, baby. You deserve it. Make sure you come today. Don't forget to enjoy your body. You're given these bodies for a reason. We were given these sensations, these nerve endings for a reason. We were meant to enjoy our bodies, our sexual organs, just like we were meant to enjoy a strawberry. We were given taste buds to enjoy food. We were given sex organs to enjoy our sexuality, our sensuality. Make sure you come today, baby. Don't fucking forget to do it. Do it, do it, do it. And I hope you have a great day. Thank you for listening. You fucking rock. I love you. Bye-bye now. Oh, fuck yeah. Hey, Ruin Willow here. Ladies, across the nation, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. The brand that took your man's balls to space is now launching them into the ultrasphere. Introducing Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Yup, 5.0. Featuring a new cutting-edge design and next-generation skin-safe blades heads for different shaves. It's pretty much a spaceship to take his boys downstairs to the next level. Have him join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code RUINWILLOW20. High-tech for low places. Manscaped. You know... It is important to be groomed down in your groin area. If you want to be ready for sexy times, you should be groomed. Make that area sexy and well taken care of. And every man knows how dangerous it can get, going for a close shave below the belt. That's why Manscaped is perfect for all his sensitive areas. The fifth-generation trimmer features two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little off the top, and a new foil blade for him to go that smooth finish whenever, wherever his heart desires. Hmm, intimacy can be very delicious with a smooth skin, if you know what I'm talking about. And you know, there are three length setting combs for all desired lengths. And this is a waterproof tool. Seriously, isn't that cool? Taking it on the go, Manscaped has him covered. This Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra comes with a travel case and even a travel lock feature to avoid any accidental powering and or weird looks in the airport. This right here is the cutting edge of cutting pubes. Upgrade his ball trimmer and his life will follow. This is the perfect Christmas gift for the man in your life. Get it today. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUINWILLOW20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off. That's free shipping with the code RUINWILLOW20 at manscaped.com. 
His balls have been through enough. It's time to go ultra with Manscaped. I'm in a partnership with Manscaped. I'm an ambassador, and I have received products and payment for these promotions, but it's 100% my opinion, my own opinion. I love these products. They are such good quality products. The Lawnmower 5.0 trimmer helps reduce nicks and reduces the risk of those pesky, annoying sometimes painful, ingrown hairs, and it reduces the risk of grooming accidents. Take care of his groin by giving him a Manscaped product. Both of you will enjoy it. Trust me. Get ready for sexy times. Get that area ready for intimacy the best ways possible. Get Manscaped today. 